Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, Koshi here. Before we get into this episode of The Call, I've got a favor to ask. The bigger the Ausbiz audience, the more we can invest in great content and keep providing quality investment ideas to you for free. If you could just take a minute of your time to leave a review of The Call in the Apple Podcast app, it'll help keep our tribe growing. And of course, don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at ausbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. Enjoy The Call. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Ausbiz Australia's only live streaming business and markets channel. It is great to have your company as we kick off the afternoon, as we always do every weekday with the call 10 stocks that you suggest. Uh, I put them to our expert panel for adjudication on whether to buy, hold or sell. It is great to have your company. And uh, today's panel, we have Rob Corlett from uh, Macro Capital. Rob, good to see you again, sir. Yep, good to see you, David. Okay, good weekend. Back in the office, I see, just today. Only only for the interview, mate. That's uh, how much I care. Ah, excellent. Thank you for making the effort to do that. Getting towards the... uh, uh, the good web services in the offices. Always good to see you'll come through crystal clear. And also David Novak from Wealthwise Education. David, how are you, sir? Coping with lockdown okay? Uh, just about, um, you know, getting to the end of my tether on it. I'm sure with like any other people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No one's alone. Look, uh, thank you, gents, for, uh, for joining us today. We're going to kick it off um, as we did last week with a bit of a challenge that I've set to our expert panellists on um, if they could think of one stock that could possibly change your life. As I explained last week, it's an idea I pinched from uh, Henry Jennings from Marcus today when we, the previous week, talking about a stock that came up uh, called Archer Materials, which is in quantum computing. And and, uh, Henry said, you know, I chose this as a stock that could change your life in a little exercise we did during my, uh, throughout Marcus today, uh, a couple of months previously. And it got me thinking, stocks that could change your life. It's uh, a bit of a challenge, Rob, isn't it? To uh, when you need to hone in on one, but I'd put it to you, you've come up with uh, one that's been pretty popular on the call ever since we started over the last year. Um, what, do you, what do you have as a, a stock that could change your life? Yeah, so I think Atomos is uh, the name that people should be looking at to add in their portfolio. Obviously, it's um, high risk, high reward, but uh, uh, they've got this agreement with Apple to be one of only two distributors globally for their new codec, which is um, ProRes RAW. It, it takes large uh, video files and compresses them, um, you know, so that um, just a general kind of user of video and audio files can get that same um, 
uh, professional quality. Uh, they came out with an announcement, I think it was yesterday, saying that they've got record sales, 77 million. Um, you know, they've got kind of incredible growth numbers. Uh, we're talking about uh, revenue up 275% on the second half of last year. Now, obviously, that was uh, heavily affected by COVID, but therein, I think, mm -hmm. lies the opportunity. Um, you know, we've seen a, a huge reduction in the, um, you know, uh, Hollywood and the uh, film industry getting out there and, and shooting. And so, you know, COVID, as much as it seems like it's gone on forever and, and will never end, it, eventually it will. Uh, and when that happens, uh, Adamos are, are very well positioned to take advantage of, of huge growth, um, not only in the, um, uh, you know, film industry, but they're also positioning themselves for uh, exposure to the gaming industry. So, um, you know, we all know that, um, you know, we've got world championships in different, you know, online games now, uh, and, and they're going to be able to tap into that, which is going to be a huge revenue mm. source moving forward. So really excited about Atomos. Um, look, obviously, it's, it's a bit heady uh, after yesterday's results, um, so I'd probably look to, to pick it up on a pullback if uh, I hadn't already held it in the portfolio. Yeah. It's a fascinating business, Melbourne base, couple of young founders down there. We've interviewed them here on Ausbiz a couple of times and they've got basically got this technology that can turn your iPhone vision that you shoot on your iPhone into almost cinemagraphic quality, isn't it? And they're, they're having a, a big impact on um, influencers with their... Uh, with their Instagram feeds and their YouTube videos and things like that, as well as into Hollywood. And uh, as you say, got the support of Apple as well, which is uh, no mean feat. Yeah, and, and I think when you're looking at these um, you know, life-changing stocks, um, you know, you, you're looking out um, you know, fairly far in the future. And yeah. so, um, you know, it, it goes beyond the numbers. You've got to look at the, the business of people who are running it. Um, you know, how do they conduct themselves? How do they run their operations? And, um, you know, we were really impressed by the fact that, you know, when COVID came about, uh, they immediately started slashing, um, you know, the, the fixed costs of their business, including their own uh, remuneration, which really showed me that they're in this game uh, for the long term. Um, you know, so I think they dropped their fixed costs by about 60%. Uh, and whilst they should be in a really weak position, you'd think, given you know how much COVID would actually affect them, um, on a balance sheet they're really strong. They've got um, nearly nineteen million dollars in cash. Uh, there's no debt. Uh, it's, it's just a really solid business to be a part of. Yeah, yeah, good wrap on them. Um, David, what's your stock that could, one stock that could change your life? Yeah, look, uh, what I look for, um, for something that's going to be life-changing is, first of all, you know, what is the product or service that they're offering will be sustainable and demand into the future. Uh, that's the key thing. And um, uh, so growth is, is what I'm looking for, obviously. And, um, you know, in the commodity sector, I mean, you know, some good, great examples of that, with like Fortescue, for example, was one yeah. of those. Um, the one that I like is BCI Minerals. So this is um, in the West Pilbara. Uh, they've got three operations there. Well, one operating at the moment, the Iron, Iron Ore Valley operation. So they're getting a really good royalty from mineral resources. And uh, they've had a nice, strong, nice trend here. But also uh, what I'm excited about, about this company is their salt, their Māori salt project and the potash. 
mm. high quality potash project as well, which will feed into Asia. So it's fertilizer for high quality fruits and vegetables. And there's a there's a demand for their there'll be a high demand for their premium quality salt and the temperature up there is perfect for this um, operation. Now, it's uh you know the the capital um, cost is around two, 1.2 billion. Um, the great thing is they've already secured 450 million in funding from the Northern Territory Infrastructure Facility. So they've already allocated 450 million towards this project. They've got approximately 80 million in the bank already. And uh, it's about three years away before the salt project uh, commences and um, production starts, and also the potash as well. Mm. So um, there's a there's a little bit of a lead time there, but uh, you know they've got all the approvals in place. Um, plus they'll have more cash, and they've got a nice mix of debt to equity, about 60 40, 60% debt, 40% uh, equity. So there's it's not dilutive. Or it'll be moderately. There'll, there'll be some capital raising, but uh, there's not going to be. It's not going to be highly dilutive for shareholders. So the other thing is the forecast earnings before interest, tax, and depreciation will be around 260 million. Um, so if you look at their market cap today, it's around 340. They've got about 80 million in the bank. So you know this one is definitely and 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 it's a potential tier one project. What that means is for the next 60 to 100 years. So this is a stock that you could buy your grandchildren. Wow. So I can see like a long-term um, dividend stream and capital growth, and so that really ticks a lot of my boxes and what I'm looking for. So I think definitely not just life-changing for the next five years, but for the next 10, 15, 20, and beyond. Yeah, that's a really good one. All right, so Atomos and BCI Minerals is the uh, are our two life-changing stocks for the day. Let's get in to the stocks that you want us to take a look at and. Um, Rob, one of our viewers has uh, sent in Lindsay Australia for adjudication. Um, it's a transport group in refrigerated and general freight logistics, uh, import and export of, uh, of agricultural and rural supplies. Um, what do you think of Lindsay Australia? Yeah, um, so investors uh, need to make sure they're not getting this confused with uh, Lynn Fox and old Lindsay Fox and uh, you know, his listing of his company back in 87, the buyback. Um, look, from my mind, uh, it's too illiquid. There's a bit of a theme with a couple of stocks that we're going to look at today. Uh, and it's, you know, this is one of those companies that's just too illiquid for me to get involved in. Um, you know, liquidity in the marketplace is a, is a double-edged sword. Uh, if you're in a stock that's illiquid and good news comes out of it, um, then obviously, you know, it's going to run quite well. And, and sometimes the liquidity is because of uh, what the available free float actually is. Maybe the directors, um, you know, the founders still own a significant parcel. Um, but I'm more interested in uh, risk mitigation and, and really liquidity for mine is, is, is a negative thing. Um, and so, yeah. Uh, I couldn't be invested in a company that's got um, you know such such a liquid trading. It it does less than um, about a hundred thousand dollars a day through the right. market. So for mine, uh, there, there's massive concerns there, yeah. regardless of what you think about the actual company. Okay, uh, just just explain that for viewers too. Even though it could be a good company, because it doesn't trade much, um, you really can't take a big position in there because the share price will spike up too much. If you want to get out, it could be difficult as well. And that, that really overcomes any sort of business potential. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I've said a number of times, and I know, you know my, my clients would be sick and tired of hearing this, actually, uh, that, you know, the way you make money in the market is to find out where the institutional money's going uh, and just tag along for the ride. Uh, these guys have, you know, uh, tens of millions of dollars, if not billions of dollars, that, that eventually need to find their way into certain sectors or certain companies. And uh, that takes them a lot of time. Uh, and at the same time, once they're in, they're uh, usually mandated with uh, rules that govern uh, how much they can put in relative to what they can expect to be able to get out over, say, a, a three to five day uh, time period if there's negative news that comes out of the stock without having an overly um, you know, huge influence on the share price. Uh, yeah. And the, the liquidity like we've got here uh, basically prevents institutional investors from really getting involved in a meaningful way. So look, as much as they're kind of set up with some really nice spaces, you know, they're um, looking to grow their rail transport fleet. I think they're looking to uh, get it up to about 300 container ships by uh, end of this year and 400 by end of next year. Um, the the liquidity itself just uh, rules yep. it out as an investment for me. Yep. Okay. Uh, David, Lindsay Australia. Yeah, look, there's a lot of, uh, I, I agree a lot with what uh, Rob just uh, outlined there. Um, you know, it's a, it is a small cap, 114 million. Um, I just noticed the top 20 shareholders control about 67% of the share. So, like Rob's pointing out, it's very illiquid. Uh, I think there's about $43,000 worth of shares traded on average, is the average. Uh, daily turnover, so not much. Um, yeah, and uh, look, it's they, they, their revenue looks pretty good. You know, it's about 44 million, uh, I should say, not revenue earnings before interest tax and depreciation. So that's pretty good on a um, on the market cap of just 114 million. Um, you know, they've got a small amount of debt. But um, yeah, again, look, going back to Rob's comments about the liquidity, that's, that's the main thing that would keep, you know, any large investor or institutional way, that's for sure. So, but look, for a small investor, for a small parcel, I'm not adverse to it. But it's yeah, it's not um, it's not a high high liquid, you know, growth stock if you like. Yeah, sure. Okay. All right. Um, David Ryan wants a view on Vita Group. Uh, Ryan says I'm wanting the panel's view on Vita. I have Sorry. been a long-term shareholder since Sorry. 2018. And wondering what the panel's view on the stock is moving forward. I really like the management and like the skincare part of the business moving forward. Now, quite an interesting business, isn't it? Because it runs Telstra's business shops, if you like, franchises, um, but is also um, has an athletic sportswear sort of business, which may have sold out from memory um, recently but then also owns this clear complexions business, which is a, a medical uh, grade skincare brand with 14 clinics across Canberra and Sydney and an artisan skincare group as well. So uh, what do you think, David? Yeah, look, that the skincare business is the one that's really showing some good growth here, uh, artisan. Um, their revenues are up 37% um, from the previous half, which is pretty good. Um, but it's a small part of the business. When you look at it, uh, you know, it it's represents only about, I think, by the looks of it, something like 10 or 20%, not even that, um, of the total revenue of the, the business. But it, it is growing. It's a high demand uh, skincare wellness business. Uh, yeah, look, it, it's uh, it, this one, they've also got 
this agreement with Telstra is coming up uh, apparently uh, by I think it's 2025. Uh, Telstra is reviewing it's taking its it, it, into its um, distribution internal, and so that that uh, distribution network will end. Uh, so what's going to replace it? Don't know, but. Uh, look, it's been a steady dividend earner. Um, down here, look, it does look like it represents some good value. I mean, I'm just looking at the liquidity. It's only of 167 million market cap, and the liquidity, uh, it's yeah, generally liquid, which is pretty good. But uh, look, on value, it looks reasonable. It's got a net profit they had for the half year of 18 million after tax. So extrapolating that, that's about uh, 10 or 12 times earnings, and. They've got a reasonable return on equity around, you know, between, well, it was down last year 10%, but generally around 19, 20%. So that's pretty good. And a good yield of around 7.9% if that's sustainable. But it's just a question mark going forward about what's going to happen to the distribution network for with Telstra um, when that agreement runs out in 2025. And that, that's, that's the biggest part of their business, isn't it? So this skincare and athletic wear and stuff like that, are they preparing to all, almost be the safety net if if Telstra brings it all in the house? Well, that's what I think. That well, that's one they're hoping, but it's gonna it's gonna grow quite dramatically to replace the revenue um, from that. So uh, look, it's it's um, something to be aware of. But look, I'm not adverse to buying it actually down here. Okay. I think on the dividend yield and multiple, and, you know, they're, they're financially well off to strong. The balance sheet looks good as well. So, um, okay. yeah. I'll, yeah. Have a buy on it. Rob, what do you think of Vita? Yeah, look, I'm going to uh, respectfully disagree on this one. Um, look, 97% uh, of the fighters' revenue actually drives itself from the Telstra stores. And the news that I've got is that um, their dealer agreement will not be renewed beyond 2025. And therefore, uh, this business is really uh, fighting for its life right now. Uh, the, the shift into skincare almost seems like a forced move to me. Uh, there's some great uh, growth um, that it's experiencing with its own business, but the actual uh, cosmetics industry, uh, whilst it's huge at 4.3 billion uh, per annum here in Australia, is actually growing at about 1.8 percent, or at least is forecast to grow at 1.8 percent over the next five years. So it's not necessarily a hugely growing industry. Um, to put it into perspective, as far as uh, revenue and EBITDA for the skincare division versus the telco division that they're running. Um, skincare is currently about 15 million worth of rev compared to um, the telco division, which is about 308 million. And EBITDA was only 2 million compared to the telco division being about 32 million. So um, for mine, um, there's too many risks that um, you know they're not going to be able to continue to execute. There's a lot of uh, assumptions right now that um, you know, this skincare division and the wellness division that they've got will be able to grow and achieve these uh, incredible numbers that they've been putting forward so far. Um, I'd prefer to actually wait till I see some of those things occur and get some more clarity around the um, you know, 2025 um, deal agreement. But, but as I said, the news I've got is that they're not getting those stores renewed. There's 97% of their revenue gone uh, for me. Therefore, it's just a straight sell. Okay. All right. Uh, our next stock, uh, Rob, is uh, Bike Exchange. Now, only a recently listed company. It started out as a classified business for uh, the cycling sector and, and has sort of turned into a uh, sort of e-commerce play as well, selling bikes and accessories. They describe it as a hybrid between 
car sales on Amazon, uh, but slightly smaller, uh, like a flea compared with the elephants there. Um, but anyhow, they, uh, they raised $20 million in February uh, in an IPO uh, market cap, $76 million. One of the, uh, the biggest shareholders in that IPO is uh, a Latin American company, um, which they want to, um, and they're expanding into Latin America as well. Um, Rob, what do you reckon of uh, Bike Exchange? Another, another really small cap, micro cap. Yeah, absolutely it is. Uh, and look, um, not wanting to harp on the liquidity, but it does seem to be the theme today. Uh, there are some days this stock doesn't trade at all. Uh, and typically it does less than $100,000 through the market. So for, again, for those reasons, you know, I wouldn't be involved in it. That being said, it was quite interesting to have a look at uh, last night and bit of explore the business. Uh, they do sponsor a uh, cycling team that's currently racing in the Tour de France. So I thought they might have been significantly larger than the 30 mil market cap they've got here. I thought maybe it was dual listed or something like that. Um, you know, one of the things that we go by here is don't invest in businesses if you don't understand them. Um, and for mine, I don't understand why you'd be pushing a, um, a very niche um, online platform, which is purely the, the buying and selling of bikes and accessories here in Australia. For mine, the majority of the revenue is going to come from Europe, which is what I think we're starting to see already. Um, you know, the total transaction value has gone up. Uh, about 220%, which is good for them, but uh, there's a lot more that still needs to happen. You know, I don't believe they're uh, turning a profit at this point in time either. So um, I, I couldn't get involved in, in this company. I wish them all the best of luck, but for mine, it's too narrowly yep. focused as an e-platform and, and not something I'd want to get invested in. Yep. David? Yeah, look, I'm very much uh, aligned with Rob on this one. I think, um, you know, they've got some pretty fancy numbers here, but... I mean, you know, it's this going forward, the substance only got, it was only IPO'd in February this year. Yeah. So there's just not enough, um, you know, traction yet. Um, but the, they, they've got some impressive numbers here. Traffic increase 87% up, transaction volume up 142%, commission revenue up 847. You know, they've got those kind of numbers. But really, when you get down to it, you know, are they making any money yet? No. Um, so, you know, you've got to allow some time on this. And, you know, the, the market um, obviously liked it when it first, uh, you know, had the IPO. It uh, looked like it went up to whatever that was, about 30, 40 cents or something. And then it's pulled all the way back. So the trend right now is not your friend here. So I would just um, stay away and um, just, yeah, look down the track. Yep. Have, a, have another look. Okay, see, uh, Koshi, can I just add on that? Um, just so the, the bright area for this is their CFO is Andrew Demery, who's also the former CFO of carsales.com. So, um, you know, we talk, we're not, we're talking about, um, Atomos, I was saying that, you know, you've got it back in the uh, management. So really for mine, if you're a shareholder in this company, what you're really doing is you're hitching your wagon to Andrew to say, look, you know, you've proven to be able to do this for car sales. Can you now do it for bike exchange? Uh, yep. But again, just reiterating, it's too early for me. Yep, absolutely. All right. Uh, David, uh, next stock uh, up for a look is uh, something uh, a bit more traditional uh, than bike exchange. GR Engineering Services. It's uh, uh, engineering, design, procurement, construction in the uh, uh, mining and um, uh, mineral processing industry in the oil and gas sector. What do you think of GR? Um, look, it's uh, it's it's not um, 
It's not overly expensive. I mean, it's uh, look, it's a smaller cap. It's, again, it's around that 232 million mark. Um, you know, they've had some good numbers in the last six six months here uh, from the December report. So they've got uh, also a yield of around 6%, uh, fully frank dividend yield, which is nice. Um, but in my, uh, just looking at it, I think there's better value in, in other um, infrastructure mining plays. I, I like uh, NWH, for example. That would be a, a one that's a, it's bigger, three times the size of this, but more diversified. And also, um, you know, it's got some some better growth outlook than GRGNG, GRG engineering. So, look, the the numbers are a bit lopsided. Also, the the sector is, uh, you know, at the moment dealing with some really cost pressures as well with COVID, dealing with the COVID situation, fly in, fly out. So there there are some significant cost pressures in wages and and getting the employees to the sites, etc. So. It's not an easy sector right now, but I'd be look. I'd be waiting for their uh, their result coming out for the full year in August and have a look at it there. They did give a an update here back at the end of May that revenue was expected to be 340 to 360 million. Um, so sorry that the revenue guidance for the year ended was forecast to be in the range of 370 Now it's expected to be 340 360, and. Uh, Probably they're also mentioning, like I said, there's there's a pipeline of activities they've got, but also they've got some cost pressures here and dealing with right. the COVID situation. Okay, um, Rob. Yeah, so um, look again, not wanting to sound like a broken record, but the liquidity um, for mine, particularly around that 100, 200,000 a day. So uh, it's not like we could get invested in the stock. That being said, uh, the trend is very nice here. If you've had the stock, I'd actually continue to hold it. Uh, and hopefully what David said about the you know, positive announcements coming out of the August uh, reporting season hold up and the company's uh, share price continues to run. Um, I wouldn't be buying it um, at the moment. But if um, look the report is good, then typically you know, good reports bring liquidity into the market. So keep holding it if you've got it. Um, but I, I couldn't bring myself to actually go in and buy it at the moment. What I prefer uh, clients to do if they want to get exposure to something that's based, I know David said NWH, um, I, I'd actually prefer to look at something like a Wally Parsons. It's not exactly uh, dollar for dollar, but it's, it's, it's very close. Um, you know, substitute, um, and you know the, the market turnover in Wall is just to give an example is close to 20 million uh, versus, as I said, this stock's about 100,000. So, Wally right. Parsons for mine over G&G. If you're trying to buy into this type of sector exposure, uh, but if you've got it, just keep holding. Wait, wait until the uh, re- reporting season in August. Okay, all right. Our our fifth stock uh, is how do you pronounce it? Lysopodium. Is it Lysopodium or Lycopodium? Um, and engineering. Um, from what I could gather, I couldn't find a huge amount on it, but uh, went to its website. It's almost a project management business, uh, Rob, isn't it? In the uh, um, everything from um, uh, infrastructure, port infrastructure, to road and rail, uh, to food manufacturing. Yeah, they do a little bit of everything uh, at the moment. Um, look, it pays a reasonably healthy dividend to it, about 3.85%, which is quite good for this space. Um, one of the risks you've got, though, with the dividend is the current payout ratio is at 101%. So they're paying out all their earnings and a little bit of cash they've got on hand, which obviously can't be maintained because it'll erode the balance sheet. So um, just be a little bit wary if you're thinking 
to buy it or to jump in there because of the dividend yield. Um, look, it's got sector average uh, price earnings ratios. The uh, EBITDA margin comes in about 17%, which is slightly better than uh, some other names. Some of its peers, things like uh, NWH, I think their EBITDA margin's around 13%. Uh, service Stream's about 12%, and Wally's at about 8%. So definitely right. good uh, margins compared to their competitors. But again, uh, you know, liquidity is quite low, uh, less than 100K a day. Uh, again, I'd be preferring clients moving to something like a Wally Pass for this one. Okay. Uh, David? Yeah, look, it's uh, again, this is a very illiquid stock as well. I mean, there's only um, something like 40 million shares on issue by the looks of it. Um, a lot of cash. The company's got a market cap of around 205 million, I think, and the cash balance around 84 million, which is pretty healthy cash balance. And that profit after tax for the half year was 6.3 million. So, you know, if you take that on the earnings multiple, it's pretty good. It's, uh, it's, it's, it looks good value and steady dividend yield. Um, most of their business comes from the resource sector rather than infrastructure. Uh, 50%, gee, they've got a, a global presence, a geographic, mostly in um, Africa. About 50% of their work is uh, in Africa. So they've got that global presence as well, but it's just very illiquid. Um, so look at this, yeah, uh, for that reason alone, I'd prefer um, being in some of the other infrastructure mining plays, like I said, NWH, hmm. uh, where there's a lot more liquidity and um, a growth outlook as well and diversification. Okay, all right. Let's just recap our uh, first five stocks, our um, stocks that could change life. Uh, Atomos from, uh, from Rob, the, um, uh, the video uh, group, um, and from David BCI Minerals. Um, of the stocks that you've suggested, uh, the guys take a look at. Uh, Lindsay Australia, a no from both. Uh, Vita Group, a no from Rob. Um, David was saying, you know, these really low levels, it, it could be reasonably attractive at these levels, particularly with the dividend yield they've got at the moment. Uh, Bike Exchange, a no, just too small and... and uh, uh, only recently listed. Uh, GR Engineering, um, a hold from Rob, a no from David. Uh, Rob in this sector would prefer Wally Parsons and uh, NWH um, is the preference from David. And Lysopodium, uh, a no from both and likewise Wally and NWH would be uh, their picks in the sector. Uh, here on the call, um, we've been following our own fantasy portfolio since the 1st of July last year, thanks to our partner NabTrade. Uh, any stocks that get two thumbs up from our expert panel goes into the portfolio. If that stock comes up again, even if it's in front of a different panel and doesn't get unanimous approval, it then goes out of the portfolio. Uh, let's check how it has been performing for the week. Uh, last seven days down 0.8% uh, for the month down 0.6% since the 1st of July last year, up 34.5%. Some of the uh, stocks recently added, Micro X, Australian Pharmaceutical, Eclipse Group, Link Administration and Life360. Some of the stocks removed, uh, McMahon, Bigger Cheese and Universal Store. And if you want to see all the stocks in the calls portfolio, uh, head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. 
And uh, just a quick programming note for you, stick around after uh, the call and Australian Pharma shares are in the spotlight today, uh, surging off the back of a proposed takeover from Wes Farmers and um, the fact Australian Pharmaceuticals went into the calls portfolio only last week. It'd be good for the returns there. Uh, Ron Shamgar from uh, Tamman uh, tells us why there's potential for an even higher bid. That's from 1pm here on The Pulse. All right, let's get into our uh, next five stocks. Uh, Rob, uh, Money3 has been uh, put by our viewers for a a look at um, a a financial organisation specialising in basically car loans and and personal loans in that fintech market. What do you think of Money3? Yeah, I don't mind Money3. It looks uh, pretty good. Uh, the trend is definitely well developed and it's heading higher. Dividend payout ratios are uh, quite good there. It's about 66%. Um, so there's room for a little bit uh, more uh, margins to be paid out, which would increase their yield, which is currently around 2.6%. Uh, we do quite like the thematic of this um, the reflationary trade that we think is going to be coming through all global markets in the next uh, 12 to 24 months, and that is as bond yield prices um, increase, as the, as the yield curve kind of uh, steepens, anything that's making its money on interest rates should do quite well. That being uh, said, though, just have to Bear in mind that the majority of the financing that Money3 does is actually on vehicles. And we do know that there's currently a shortage um, globally on semiconductors, which will probably impact the manufacturing numbers of of new vehicles globally, uh, probably within the next six to 12 months. So just be mindful that um, where the majority of their financing comes from, there may be less vehicles uh, around and therefore maybe they don't get as much financing uh, revenue as what they're currently showing. But outside of that, it looks pretty good. We'd be happy to accumulate it on any kind of weakness. Okay, all right. Uh, David, what do you think of Money3? Uh, look, I'm I'm not as uh, optimistic bullish on this one. Um, I'd be taking some money off the table. In fact, I'd be switching out of uh, Money3 and going into Money Me, uh, which is really getting some traction in the vehicle, personal loan vehicle lending market. They've got this um, new platform called AutoPay. And Money Me's their revenue have grown from uh, January from about 30 million to into May of 57 million. That's Money Me, which is M double M E. So it's half the market cap of uh, Money Three Corporation. Money Three Corporation's market cap is around 650 million. Uh, if they're trading on a high multiple, that's too high for me. There's a lot of competition, but particularly with Money Me coming in the space, they are really getting some traction mm-hmm. here and taking business away from the banks and um, the likes of Money Three Corporation. So they've got this very innovative uh, platform, and it's really showing numbers that are outgrowing out Money3 Corporation. So that would be my pick. So I'd be switching out of Money3 Corporation and buying that one, okay. which is half the market. All right. Uh, good tip there. Um, David, while we've uh, chatting to you, uh, Wham Alternative Assets uh, Fund. This was the old Blue Sky Alternatives Access Fund. Blue Sky, everyone goes, whoa, no, don't remind me of Blue Sky, which was um, a bit of a, uh, a corporate disaster. But uh, Wilson Asset Management took it over. It invests in private equity, private real estate, real estate assets, 
lot of uh, lot of unlisted investments as well. Uh, David, what do you think of uh, WAM alternative assets? Um, look, I, it's not too bad. It's pretty diversified, as you said. There's there's um, they're in uh, different assets. They've got a, quite a bit of diversity. Like I said, private equity, real assets, um, unlisted. They've got some real estate, cash. They've got quite a bit of cash, about 49 million, 209 million. So it's quite small. Um, look, it's, uh, it's, I'm just looking at the numbers here. I can't get excited. I mean, they haven't really outperformed from what I can see. To me, my preference would be in this space, if you're looking at something comparable, a bit bigger, a boutique, um, LIC would be, in my view, would be Cadence Capital would be definitely um, my preference over this and, and the performance of Cadence um, and certainly has outperformed Wham. So I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be rushing to buy this one at all. Look, they've got some interesting projects, but um, I just looking at historically the numbers here, I, they just don't look like they've and that shows it on the on the stock price as well. You can see it really hasn't gone. I mean, it's had a good rebound like many, many stocks from the COVID lows, but it's only marginally above its pre-COVID high. Um, but I, yeah, look, I just think it's not very liquid as well. Um, not, not one that I'd be chasing. I'd be buying, I'd be, if I had to choose, I'd be choosing Cadence CDM. Okay. All right. Rob, what do you think of WAM alternative assets? Yeah, so uh, I think it's important when you invest in something uh, like a, a listed investment company that you actually understand the assets underneath the, the investment vehicle. So uh, they hold real assets to about 42% of um, you know, what, what, what's in that basket. Uh, and by real assets, we mean like water rights, farmland, etc., which they've got most of their exposure through uh, venture capital uh, deals. So again, that, there's a little bit of... Um, uh, obscurity or opaqueness from the actual deals themselves. So you really are kind of trusting the management that these venture capital deals that they're doing uh, are ultimately going to play out because you don't have much see-through. Um, there's additional private equity in this um, uh, LIC for about 26%, and they've got cash balance at the moment about 25%. So uh, that is the breakdown of what they're, they're offering at the moment. Um, look, like David, um, you know, it's probably not my preferred investment. That being said, the trend's looking quite good. I think it's very constructive. Technically, there's some really good support kicking in at the moment around the current levels. So uh, if you're in the stock, you'd be quite comfortable to hold it, I would imagine, probably up to something around the uh, 120, 125 level before I started tipping it out. Um, that being said, um, yeah, I wouldn't be going out and buying it uh, if, if I had other things on the table. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, Can I just add, add yeah, one more thing? Just, uh, it's also important to know, look at the net asset value of these listed investment corporations. So, um, you know, they're, they're not that as transparent, like Cadence does their NTA pre-post-tax NTA every week. Um, so that's what you want to look for and other other LICs. So, you know, it, it is trading marginally at a discount to their net asset value. I, ring, I think it's about uh, 194 million versus the 209 so it's about five percent discount not a significant discount but gee some of these um we're at a bargain price at about 30 even as much as 35 40 percent discount uh post when COVID hit at those lows you you could pick up a bargain you know that's where cadence was trading at about 35 percent discount to yeah. their net assets and they 
not stopped uh, doing a share buyback and the CEO, the fund manager, Carl, he's been um, buying back shares ever since. So that's closed the gap on the NTA. So it's a good thing to also keep aware of what the what the net asset value is of the fund and yep. where the stock is trading and what the valuation is in the market. Yeah, it's interesting. And talking about Wilson Asset Management, they've, they've launched a new fund to take advantage of those listed investment companies at a big discount to try and keep them honest, David, is it? Which uh, I think uh, is uh, is pretty cheeky, but good on them. <laughs> it's arbitrage, isn't it? You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Why not? All right, um, Rob, uh, Index is uh, the next stock that uh, our viewers want a view on. It's a, um, it's a really quite an interesting business in the oil and gas business, isn't it? It, it provides... Um, sort of solutions for people, for explorers in the market. They provide fluids for the, the big drill bits that go down. Um, what do you think of Index? Yeah, we, we don't mind this one at all. Um, the share price has done very well uh, recently. So uh, the trend is definitely there to support your investment. Uh, we, we look to buy it on weakness. Uh, it's kind of run a little bit too quickly uh, right now to be buying at these levels. But uh, it's exposed to some really good thematics from our perspective. So uh, we're quite bullish on gold and copper. Uh, 50% of its uh, exposure in the commodity space is gold 25 percent is copper it's also got some uh, iron ore exposure there as well for about 15 percent so they're really good um you know sectors to be exposed to or, or assets to be exposed to we've also got 42 percent of their uh revenue coming out of the americas and we're quite bullish on the us uh australian currency pair so we, we actually believe that um in the medium term medium to longer term the us uh currency will actually outperform. So we want to be exposed to companies that have that overseas earnings so that when they repatriate the funds, the, uh, there's a natural increase in the profit margins. Uh, so look, we actually like the business. Uh, it looks pretty good. Uh, we'd be happy to get involved in it, but we'd be buying it on weakness. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, what would it need to uh, pull back to for you to get interested? Yeah, look, uh, so it's quite currently trading around $2. We probably want yep. to see it something closer to about um, $1.70, something like that. Right, okay. Uh, David, what do you think of, of them? Yeah, look, I, I like um, Index. I think uh, it's, a, it's very innovative. Uh, it's trading on a very high multiple um, for good reason, but I like their global presence. Um, they have got some challenges like most of the uh, companies involved in the mining sector dealing with the COVID restrictions, um, and they've highlighted that. But look, their growth outlook looks really good. And, and like Rob pointed out, you know, the global the presence they've got in North America, and if you want some of that exposure in US dollars and uh, other, you know, in Europe as well and Africa, so they're, um, you know, they've got they've got some interesting. I mean, I like that. Like I said, it's an innovative, growing company. They've had some great revenue. Their earnings before interest tax depreciation for the half year was 33 million. Uh, just have a look at what their market cap was. I think it was, um, yes, yeah, 793, about 800 million. Um, so, you know, if you extrapolate that uh, EBIT, it's about, you know, 60, 70 million. So not too, not too bad. But um, look, here's, here's where, for the same... Look, I look at Apple, what can, what can I do in terms of, if I'm buying a company that's got a market cap of around 800 million like this one, uh, one of my favorite picks for the same reason that I've always looked at companies is for strong cash flow and earnings growth and dividends. 
but also, you know, that are grossly undervalued and on an earnings multiple, but also, like I said, revenue growth is mm. strong. And that was Grange Resources. Um, I bought that stock back in October, November, around 25 cents. It's now 75 cents or, or a little bit more than that today. At a 200% capital growth, it's still cheap at 800 million market cap, and they got 258 million in the bank. So you take an enterprise value around 850, 600 million is what you're paying for the business, and they had a end of year profit December full year of 204 million and after tax. So you know if I'm choosing to buy in this sector, uh, even though this is a great company, it's got good global presence. Um, yeah, that, that that earning revenue growth is really important to me. So that's you know I'd prefer to buy Grange over this company and right. look for a pullback when it's cheaper. Right. Okay. Um, and that that's because you can't skew your portfolio, David, if you've only got 20 stocks in your portfolio, 25, you can't have five in one particular sector, is it? So, so you assess to yourself, okay, if I want exposure in that sector, what's the best of breed there or what's going to offer me the most potential? Yeah, what's the biggest bang for your buck? You know, like yeah. I'm, I'm getting now, I expect they're going to increase, Grange is going to increase their dividend by another cent to four cents, fully frank. So, you know, just on the three cent dividend I'm receiving, that's a 12% fully frank yield, and I'll increase that by at least another cent. I say maybe even more. That'll be 16% fully frank dividend yield. Why, why would I, yeah. you know, yeah. what, what, it's, it's, a, it's a no brainer. And, Look, I, I have weighted my portfolio a lot in this particular stock, and I've been talking about it for quite a while. Um, you know, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, there's, there's, there's certain sectors where you can be overweight, and I'm certainly overweight in the iron ore sector right now for that reason. Right. right. Okay. All right. Our, um, our ninth stock, uh, David, is uh, something completely different. Uh, Ike GPS. Um, they are, they're in designing, marketing, and the sale of integrated GPS data capture devices, uh, focusing on the utility space and communications. Done a, uh, a deal with a Fortune 100 company, electricity utility in the United States, for a pilot program for its uh, for its software. Um, also. Um, um, the latest update says a further five and a half million dollars in new contract wins in the three months to the end of March. What do you think of Ike GPS? That all sounds great, uh, but that, my problem, Koshi, is this one is um, you know they look terrible on, right. <laughs> on earnings. They've got no earnings. They actually, had a half year loss of seven seven point four million, um, and their balance sheet looks terrible. It's uh, they've got uh, quite a bit of debt, one hundred forty nine million market cap so small and illiquid i mean um you know they're they're like uh going at about forty odd thousand dollars average trade every day um and they're just the cash flow and the margins they're just i this is a complete avoid for me i, I just can't see any reason to be in this one it's there's no investment grade for me here i'd be well, it's come back up to this previous resistance level where it was before which is around a dollar level 11 or dollar eleven, dollar yep. eleven. Um, I would be taking money off the table here and looking for uh, better alternatives. It's just not liquid enough. Okay, Rob. And, and it's not making money. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So um, 
look, one of the things that they do is that they um, use this laser technology to measure the uh, the width, the height of um, you know electricity poles uh, and the distance between the two. So it's, it's a step beyond your basic surveying kind of techniques or getting out there with a tape measure and measuring it. So yeah. there are some definitely uh, there are some advantages there from a technology perspective. That being said, I think they're also potentially under threat from um, this emergence of drone technology, which, um, look, just to throw another life-changing stock of the, the, the day out there, Koshi, uh, I was very close to recommending um, uh, Delta Drones, DLT, uh, for, for the huge... Um, uh, global growth in uh, drone technology that we thought would be occurring. Uh, I think we've got like 80% growth over the next five years. And uh, Delta drones um, basically have all these contracts over in South Africa that have moved over uh, here to Australia with the same uh, companies, so BHP, Rio, et cetera, uh, which are also global names so they could expand. So um, that would be one of the businesses potentially um, that would have the technology to um, you know, compete now. Obviously, Delta drones itself are, are based on imaging of resources and um, topology and things like that. But definitely, there could be a business come out, use the drone uh, technology, uh, which would completely wipe this business out. So, uh, at least that's my opinion. So, um, I wouldn't be getting invested on it purely before because I think the technology that they've got, whilst it's better than what's previously been out there, I think it's actually limited in the duration which you can move forward. Um, look, they do have a decent cash position. It's about 14 mil. There's no no debt there. Um, however, they are operating at a, a cash loss of about 7.4 million a year. So they've only got a cash runway of about two years. Uh, and typically you find that companies that have less than one year's worth of uh, cash runway will, will tap the market again for more money. They'll do it through an equity raising and a discount to the share price. Um, so expect to see some weakness probably about uh, 12 months time. Um, regardless of what happens between now and in 12 months time, there will be share price weakness. Um, look, it is quite illiquid too. It's only doing typically less than $100,000 through the market. Uh, every now and then it pops its head up above that, but, but really not much. And um, you know, unless they come out with some really great numbers um, almost for the next 12 months running, uh, I don't see the liquidity picking up, which means when they go to tap the market for the equity, um, you know, the share price will just get smacked because there's no sure. um, support in the market. So um, this isn't something that um, we, we'd look to get involved in, unfortunately. Okay. We could be selling it if, if we were in. All right. Let's finish off with our 10th stock, uh, um, a bit of a favourite from um, uh, a lot of the expert panels here on the call, Mineral Resources. Uh, Rob, uh, Australia's fifth largest iron ore producer, but also has... Uh, pretty significant uh, lithium deposits as well. Anytime a lithium company comes up here on the call, the uh, whoever's on the panel invariably says, well, yes, you can get into lithium as a straight play, or if you want the safety net of a diversified, good, uh, prestige mining portfolio, go for mineral resources instead. So what's your view on minerals? Uh Mineral resources gives me nightmares. Uh, it, it was $13 at COVID lows and I sold out way too early. The stock's now trading up to $59. So it's like a four bagger uh, and, and beyond just since COVID lows. So um, it, it, it doesn't let me sleep well at night. The business itself is actually running really, really well. We've got revenue growth about 12%, EBITDA growth of 17 net profit growth of 20%. Uh, they're even increasing their dividends by about 26% per year. So um, everything's heading the right direction. The EBITDA margin itself is really good, about 35%. 
Uh, revenue composition is good as well. 40% comes from mining services, 47 from iron ore and lithium, which we're a long-term believer in lithium. We, we like, um, you know, all the applications for it. We, we believe that the electric vehicle market will definitely uh, hit us sooner rather than later and be around for a long time. Um, and, and so, look, it's got everything working for it. Could I get a client to, um, or suggest to a client to buy into it at these levels? Probably not. Uh, definitely not the clients that I told that maybe it had already run too hard too fast. So, um, look, if you're in it, you know, keep holding it. You, you never know uh, how fast and how long these things will run for. And, um, you know, you really want to see that turning before you get out. Otherwise, you know, you, you're in um, the silly Rob's position of uh, getting out way too early. So keep yeah. holding it if you've got it. Don't don't go, oh, look, we're up um, you know, 400% from the lows, therefore I should get it out of it. But at the same time, if you if you're new money coming into the market, don't, don't be buying it just yet. Wait for a, a decent correction. Uh, yeah. Maybe something that's, um, you know, more industry specific as a, a short-term negative catalyst uh, whilst allowing the company itself to be quite uh, positive with their numbers. Yep, okay. David, what do you think of mineral resources? Oh, look, this one ticks so many boxes for me. It's, uh, you know, diversified. I mean, they've got their, their core businesses, mining services. You know, they've seen significant growth there, more than double. They've, um, their iron ore has increased production from 20 million tonnes to 90 million. Uh, they're in lithium, of course, um, the energy sector, you know, exploit, gas exploration development and innovation as well. So this company's got it all. Um, you know, their numbers are incredible here. They're, you know, they paid out a, a dollar dividend for the half year, which is up 335% from the previous half. Revenue up 1 point to 1.5 billion for the half year, up 55%. Operating cash flow. Um, up up uh, 300 million to 560. Their cash is 1.1 billion. You know, they've got a market uh, valuation around 20 odd billion. So you know, it's still to me relatively on the earnings before interest and tax was about 763. So you're talking 1.5 to 2 billion dollars earnings here. Um, this is not expensive. But to me, this is a um, this is a strong buy on any pullback. There's no question in my mind. I mean, how far can this go? Who knows? But, you know, if it, it all depends on the commodity cycle, of course. And, you know, people are, there's a few people sceptical out there, uh, which is why holding back stocks like uh, BHP, Rio, and particularly Fortescue, Fortescue's results are going to be uh, outstanding. So that's what I think a lot of people are sceptical about the strength of the iron ore price and just the, the commodity cycle here. And that's what, you know, this, could, this stock could go much higher, could double in the next 12 months if, if commodities remain where they are. But... Uh, yeah, look, that's what you've got to, you know, that's the big question mark is how much longer this commodity cycle can last. Yeah. Uh, but on on revenue and growth and diversification, uh, this this ticks a lot of boxes. So okay. it's a real strong so, buy for so, me. So a buy at these levels or on a pullback? I was going to say, if it's on, on a, a pullback, pullback, what back to? Uh, well, just having a look at that, good, good question. It, <laughs> it doesn't look like it could pull back much here, but I'm saying... Oh, geez, look, at pull back to 52, 53, possibly. Right. Um, you know, it, it, look, the momentum's there. This has had an incredible trend here. The, the, yeah, I, I, I don't know why you'd sell it. That's for sure. If you're a shareholder, you'd certainly okay. hold it. Yep. Okay. All Gosh, right. Gosh, you can... 
Joshy, can I just jump in there and just say, look, yeah, I, sure. I totally agree with David. 52 is about the level we'd be looking to buy it as well. Uh, that being said, lithium is the most uh, leveraged commodity to the electric vehicle space. Uh, and mineral resources share price has about a 96% correlation to the global lithium um, uh, stocks. Um, and you know, Macquarie Bank have already come out and forecast that the electric vehicle market, which is obviously the, the huge um, con consumer of lithium moving forward, that market's uh, forecast to grow by 42% compound annually uh, for the next five years. So, um, you know, to, to what David was saying, it's definitely not looking at this stock saying, look, you know, all the growth has happened and we're, and we're to from now. Yeah. Uh, the space that it's um, exposed to has huge growth potential still to come by a lot of different people's forecasts. Okay. All right, chaps. Thank you for that. Rob Caller from Macro. Always great to catch up. Thank you for coming in and, uh, and doing it today. And also David Novak from Wealthwise Education. Good to have you on board again, David. Pleasure. Have Thank a good you. week, guys. Uh, just to recap the um, final five stocks, uh, Money 3, uh, a yes from Rob. Um, uh, David will be selling out of Money 3 at these levels and buying into Money Me. Uh, which is in the same space. Uh, Wham Alternative Investments, a hold from Rob if you're in it. Uh, a no from David, he'd be in cadence instead. Uh, Index, um, uh, a no from Rob if it pulled back to around $1.70, he'd be interested. Uh, David would prefer Grange instead in the same space. Uh, Ike GPS, uh, a no from both uh, in that space. Uh, Rob quite likes a, a small cap called Delta Drone and Mineral Resources, uh, one of the, uh, the best of the mining companies and both of them are saying yes, but if you can buy it on a, on a pullback back down to $52, $53, that would sweeten the deal. All right, that's it for uh, us from, for today. If you'd like any stocks for us to cover on future panels of the call, uh, email the call at ausbiz.com.au or tweet us using the at TV handle. You can see all the stocks in the calls portfolio at ausbiz.co forward slash portfolio. And at the end of every day for the absolute complete wrap up of what's been happening in business, in the markets, in startup land, uh, subscribe to the newsletter. You get Scuddy's view, you get a link to the Close of Business podcast, also links to the most popular videos and interviews on the day. Subscribe, osbiz.co forward slash the COB. And uh, also don't forget to uh, hang out for the Startup Daily Show at 2pm. Everything in the world of startup, venture capital and uh, scale-up companies. That's it for me. Uh, a lot happening on Osbiz throughout the afternoon. You don't want to miss it. Back after the break. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.